It's time for Outside the Box with Lincoln Stars head coach Rocky Russo and Stars broadcaster Cristiano Simonetta on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. What is up, everybody, and welcome to Outside the Box on 93.7 FM The Ticket. I'm Cristiano Simonetta, joined alongside by Stars head coach Rocky Russo. 8 o'clock on Tuesday, March 29th. Rocky, what's going on? You got your Rock and Joe coffee, and you're ready to go. Yeah, I needed some coffee tonight. It's uh, It's been a long few days here in, in Stars world, and uh, got ourselves a uh, a day off yesterday and back to it today, but uh, definitely a long weekend. And uh, the uh, Americano from Rock and Joe is going to keep me going through the show tonight. That's going to have to be nicknamed the Russo after uh, all this success with the Lincoln Stars. 32 wins on the season. You guys are in the midst of a six-game winning streak. So what is that like after that big win against Waterloo? Do you just say, all right, guys, you're off Monday, and then the whole bus erupts what's that conversation like oh they knew they were off we you know they always get one day off every week and and uh on a three-game weekend it's it's a monday so um you know that that obviously you were on the bus the that's a that's a rough day five hours each way plus a game like that's a that's a serious haul to play one hockey game at 7 a.m., 7.30 a.m., we left, and it's a five-hour ride to Waterloo. The ride back just felt like it was taking eight hours. Were you ripping through shows? What was that postgame like? You know what? Like, I am I am on the, the veteran scale for riding the bus. I'm up there, right? Like, 12 years in the North American League, uh, all those years in the South Division. Like, those are some serious trips. And uh, I've been regionalized very quickly here in, in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're so fortunate in regards to, to the distance traveled with our, uh, with our schedule that that trip felt like forever on the way home. And, and I did, uh, I watched the last two episodes of, uh, of Ozark uh, on the uh, first half of the, the season there, which were pretty awesome. And then tried to get a little sleep. Uh, fell asleep for a while, woke back up. We still had two hours <laughs> left. It was like, and, and of course my phone was dying and I was using my hotspot to get my Wi-Fi. It was, it was a mess, but, uh, but we made it back fortunately. And, uh, with a win, which was the most important thing. And one of the weirder storylines on that bus ride is the Oscars were going on and we heard about that Will Smith and Chris Rock controversy. Do you have a take on that situation because I, I love your NBA basketball takes. What about that situation between Will Smith and Chris Rock? We got to start off the show with that. First of all, I couldn't be less interested <laughs> in the right in the Oscars or celebrity, quote unquote, celebrities, quote unquote, important people. Um, I never really understood that. You know, I I appreciate good acting. I like to watch a good movie. I don't care to watch those people fawn over each other and act <laughs> like they're more important than everybody else. But with that being said, um, I don't know about that whole deal. Like, I'm a Will Smith fan. Same. Obviously grew up Fresh, Fresh Prince, Prince of Bel-Air, Bel listening to Getting Jiggy With It, like all of his music. He's had so many awesome movies. I'm a Will Smith fan. I'm a huge Chris Rock fan. Like, He's hilarious. He's always been funny since I was a kid. Um, I don't. I, I know the backstory. Like 
Will and his wife have some crazy stuff going on in their relationship, which probably is nobody else's business but theirs. But it got into the public, and and so um, I don't know. You you don't open hand slap another man like if you genuinely have an issue, like punch him. But he slapped him, and then he cried, and it just the whole thing was pretty embarrassing for him. I thought, and and uh, I know he's supposed to be quote unquote defending his his wife which I'm I'm all for defend your wife I would I would defend my wife in a heartbeat but based on all the other stuff that I know like maybe maybe you could have picked a better moment to handle it maybe I would have waited until after the show or maybe just maybe nobody cares about the Oscars anymore and so they did a great job of drumming up an awful lot of interest Gosh, with the Oscars the, the by on. that yeah, ridiculous situation. Yeah. Because I flipped out open Twitter <laughs> oh during the, the long bus ride home, and it was like I, I scrolled for a minute straight before I saw something other than that situation. So uh, they definitely did a good job of drawing attention to themselves if, if that was the goal. And then he wins the best actor. Like, if he wouldn't have won the Best Actor and doesn't come on stage, I don't even think it's – it's still a huge deal in TV. But the fact that he won and he's talking about how love and love and violence is not the answer. And it's just like, wait, we all saw what just happened 10 minutes ago. And then he's dancing after yeah. I saw to to his one of his old songs. Like, um, I don't know, man. Like, that guy seems like he's got some bigger issues, which if – if I was in the relationship he's in, I might have some bigger issues too. But, um, you know, he just, I don't know. I don't know. But it's certainly, and it still has traction because the memes have taken oh over God. the world. Uh, I use that the next morning because I always battle with Scott Langer, who's from uh, West Islip, New York, and tell him that I think the pizza from Youngstown is better than the pizza from New York and so there was a meme I saw on Facebook the next morning of the smack and it was obviously the Youngstown pizza smack in the New York pizza and I started an immediate uproar at seven in the morning the next morning with Alex Curious who's the uh, media director in the North American Hockey League and and uh, Scott Langer it was actually pretty comical what's the Youngstown pizza situation then is it a slice is it square I'm not familiar with it you so there's obviously uh, it's more of a of a sheet pizza that oh. you would get in a in a lot of cases, but the best pizza there is called a Briar Hill pizza, which is uh, which is sauce and no cheese. It's Parmesan cheese and then uh, and then green peppers. And when it's made right, it is like lights out. And so there's a couple different places in in Youngstown that make it. Uh, unbelievable, and and so I'm a proud, obviously, Youngstowner, and and I believe in our pizza, and uh, and I would put it up against any slice from New York, any slice from Chicago, any slice from Connecticut, which has gotten some bar stool traction with some pizza places there. That's how good I think it is. Do we need to have you tour the city of Lincoln like Dave Portnoy and do one bite? Everybody knows the rules. You know what? Uh, simply so that I can find really good pizza, oh, I tough. would be I would be all for that. Um, currently, and not just because they're a sponsor, I really like Topper's mm -hmm. Pizza. Um, I ordered a, a couple pizzas for the staff a few months ago. It was my first experience with Topper's, and uh, they've got an awesome buffalo chicken pizza. 
Um, they've got uh, they've got some some different pizzas there that are really good. Um, I haven't found a great place outside of that yet. So if you're listening to the show, text us at the uh, at the Sarder Hammond uh, text line four zero two four six four five six eight five. Tell us where the best pizza in Lincoln is because I'm all for it. Currently, I just make my own. I go to Trader Joe's. They yeah. have they have pre made pizza dough there, which is excellent. And uh, in fact, I did it last night. I made uh, I made two pizzas. I made one with just uh, pepperoni for my daughter, and then I did uh, prosciutto, peppers, and onions with the other pizza, and uh, it was excellent. What's the go to pizza? You you know you've been here for a little bit. In Lincoln, yeah. Um, I haven't really gone to a ton of pizza places, okay. but I've been to Yaya's. They Yaya's have pizza. is good. And uh, Blaze Pizza down down the, the guys love Blaze Rocky. You hear them clamoring about it in the locker really? room. Really, all right, all of them every single you know weekday. I I'm gonna have Blaise. to uh, Blaze. Where's that at? It's downtown. Yeah, down in the Haymarket. Yeah. Uh, do you know where? Or wait, I'm trying to think of how to reference it. Never mind. Scratch Sorry. that. Great. Try, it's great radio. I'll find it. If, if, if the guys know where it is, yeah. I'll find it. Like generally. Ironically, I'm the one telling them where to go get food, especially Dalts. Like, you think the guy's been here for like five years? <laughs> He'd know. I mean, we had a, an absolute uproar a couple weeks ago because he asked me where to go to lunch, and uh, I'm like, "Well, you could go to Muchachos and get an unbelievable oh, yes. burrito. The Hatchmack chili green chili burrito is is lights out." I said, "Or go to Alibaba's and get a gyro," and he goes, "What's a gyro?" And Lava was like, what? Are you serious? He's like, I've never had a gyro. And, of course, we then rephrased it as a gyro. Mm -hmm. uh, and he had no idea. Uh, so him and Nelly went and ate at Alibaba's, which is around the corner from Lululemon. And they loved it, of course. So now they come to me for their, their lunch questions all the time. Uh, I went to Bison Witches oh, this past so Saturday, and I was craving a Reuben. I wanted corned beef on St. Patrick's Day, and I didn't get any. So I went to Bison Witches. I got a Reuben there, the the homemade rye bread. Like, mm -hmm. that sandwich was fantastic. So if you haven't been to Bison Witches, we should probably hit them up for some sponsorship because oh, they're getting it free right now. But they deserve to have it free because that sandwich was. They have unreal chicken nachos, like the best in the city, like. Out and they're huge, they're cheap, and yeah, Bison, which is a great place on a, on a weekend. But we didn't have any days off this weekend. We had three games in three days, and guess what? Three games in three days. Roll it back up, for three more again. We've had what? This? Is this is this going to be our fifth or sixth? At three least, and three. At least five. I believe it's it's at least five, and it's crazy because we had how many weekends at the beginning of the year with a single game, or we had an off weekend, and. You know, it's just it's a lot of hockey in a short period of time. We only have what nine games mm -hmm. left, um, which is crazy to even talk about. But um, three and three with another three and three rolling on the back end. This one against back, you know, home and home with Sioux City and then Tri City on Sunday. Like you want to talk about high pressure situations, but the guys have handled the three and threes so well to this point. I'm I'm really proud of them. And obviously, last weekend. The win at home on Friday, win on Saturday, travel on Sunday, find a way to win in the third period. Just such a, you know, it's it's a sign of really good things to come for this group. And that Friday game against Sioux Falls was something that 
I've never seen in person two players recording hat tricks on the same team, Noah Laba and Lucas Wallen. For you on the bench, we, we've talked about this so many times, so I apologize if you've listened to all the coaches' comments. Now you're going to hear a little bit of a rehash, but for people who didn't know, you scored seven goals, Noah Laba scores three, Lucas Wallen scores three, and you score five shorthanded goals. What do you think was the biggest storyline out of that game for you? Well, it's the – I mean, first of all, we're not playing well, right? Mm-hmm. And we're down 2-1 going into the second period. We only had seven shots on net in the second period. We scored five goals <laughs> on seven shots. Like, it was crazy. And and the shorthanded goals start pouring down. And, and uh, it actually became a little bit of a, a joke on the bench. Like, I couldn't believe that they hadn't found a way to make an adjustment on the other bench. Like... Maybe if you turn it over, turn around and sprint back to your net. Don't let Wallen and and Thompson and Laba continue to just shoot out of the zone. But, um, you know, hats off to those guys for making plays, understanding time and space, putting themselves into open ice positions, and then finishing, right? Because those chances are one thing. Being able to bury is another. And uh, for us to, to bury four in the in the second, and then we score another one in the third, and then we score another one the next night. And uh, it was just, you know, six six shorthanded goals in one weekend. Absolutely unbelievable. Four shorthanded goals in five minutes and three seconds. That's – it's not even video game stuff. That would be hard to do in a video game. We – way, way, way back, I was coaching at Youngstown State University. I did double duty when I was coaching in Youngstown with the Phantoms, and I was the head coach of the, the ACHA club team. And uh, and we scored three shorthanded goals in a game, two of them on the same on the same kill, two of them shorthanded five on three. Oh my! How did that happen? I had the best player in the country. Okay. So he like he did kind of what he wanted. That's tough um, though. But two of them five on three it was was backbreaking, and I have to confirm this. So so if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure that the goalie in the net for those was Nick Fabrizio. That's the GM of the Lincoln Stars. Who was the goaltender at John Carroll University. I'm surprised you didn't just text him in and said, hey, do you remember this? He Well, he would never admit it anyway. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to confirm that. And if I'm wrong, Nick, I apologize. But I, I swear that it was against John Carroll. It was a long, long time ago. That was like 2008 or 2009. So... Um, my brain doesn't go back that far with all the hockey games I've coached in those years. Yeah, but this one has to stand out because, I mean, five shorthanded goals and Aiden Thompson reaches a huge milestone in that third period with Lucas Wallen scoring. Uh, just what a fitting way for Aiden Thompson to pick up his 100th point. It's not like he got a secondary assist, he taps the puck and neutralize, and there, you know, something else happens. He brings the puck, carries it along the left wing from the D zone, draws two sets of eyes, two sets of legs. The and just patience on that pass, pass was incredible. And and I saw Wallet like, it was almost like a light mm-hmm. bulb went off over his head, and he's like, I'm going there because they're all staring at, at Tom's over here. And he sprinted into space, and Thompson sucked those guys in and made that pass. And of course, Wallen's going to find a way to bury right there. But uh, what a what a really really impressive play by Aiden. And it's a little hyperbolic when it comes to what I'm about to say. But the attitude that Aiden has, just because the last dance was so popular 
a couple of years ago. It's a lot of Michael Jordan in the way Aiden Thompson carries himself. He really wants everybody on his team to be just as good as him, to think as good as him. And if you don't, then, well, I'm going to tell you that. Yes, Aiden is Aiden is demanding, and I and I mean that in a yeah, good way. Exactly. Right? He's he's demanding to his teammates because he's demanding on himself. He expects excellence out of himself, and and he wants everybody around him to have that same type of expectation. So, his line mates have have answered that bell. Um, they they're really good at at kind of busting his chops and and yes. and bringing him back where they need him to be from time to time, especially Marcellus, like. Marcy's such a jokester. Like they, Thompson slams my door open in my office this morning, and he's like, "Coach, what are you saying? I'm a bad golfer for." And I'm like, "What? What are you? T- or no?" He goes, "What are you saying? Nelly's a better golfer than me." And I'm like, "Thompson, what are you talking about?" Marcy's behind him laughing hysterically, and I'm like, "I did not say that." And he's like, well, "What did you say?" I said, "Well, you were upset when Nelly beat you," and. Mason's like, and I kind of added that Nelly's better than you, Thompson. He's like, good, we're done here. And he just shuts the door. He was so mad that he thought that I would have ever said that Henry Nelson was better at anything than he was. So it was funny because Mason is, Mason just is one of those, he just. Cattle prodder. Oh, yeah, big time. And and uh, I think that's why that line is working so well because they all they're all really hyper energetic in the sense that they want to succeed but off the ice Marcy's like calm and a jokester and Wallen's just pretty laid back and and they balance each other really well and since you put that line together is you and the rest of the coaching staff just putting your feet up and saying yeah we did this we started it we made a really good decision you know what the the KO trade mm-hmm. gave us the flexibility to be able to do that and and so you know KO's now done a great job playing center for us and um and killing some penalties and playing on the power play but it gave us the ability to move Marcy to the wing and and we've talked about it before having a rotation of left wingers going through that line and and there's guys that did a great job for a short period of time obviously but nobody was able to find real chemistry with with Wallen and and uh Aiden and and Mason did it right away and the 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 one thing Mason had to work on was his wall in his in his D zone and playing wing instead of center it's a much different responsibility and once he figured that out then he was able to obviously really take his game to the next level offensively they've been fantastic you're listening to outside the box on 93.7 fm the ticket you have a question for myself rocky or maybe killing kicker olsen and keaton peters who will join us in segments number two and three text us call us 402-464-5685 that's 402-464-5685 you talked about uh the dueling hat tricks between lava and wallen lucas wallen gets another hat trick on saturday have you ever been a part of that before with a guy getting consecutive hat tricks no 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 um, I don't know that I've ever been a part of two guys with a hat trick in the mm-hmm. same game. Um, and, and I mean, Laba had what, two shorthanded goals. Uh, Wallen had two shorthanded goals. Like, um, but no, I've never seen two guys get them in the same game. I'm certain I've never seen anybody have them back to back. So, you know, I'm, I would suspect we've at least set some Lincoln stars records, um, but we've probably set some USHL records with five shorthanded goals in a game and four in a period. And I emailed the league the next morning, and they said, ah, we don't have that stat. And I was like, like, 
Come on. They should have that stat. They really should. And the back-to-back Hattricks one, I believe Tim Gray from the Lincoln Journal Star did a lot of deep diving. He said that Brandon Bochensky, I believe, had a back-to-back Hattrick sequence in 2000. So it's been 21 years. I mean, when we talk about this team this year, we're mentioning those teams from 20 years ago, obviously, for their success that they've had. But it's weird to see the similarities with the offensive production from guys like Thompson, Wallen, Dalton Norris. I'm pretty sure, again, we have looked back in the stats. I think he scored the most goals in a season among defensemen in Lincoln Stars history. So you guys are just breaking records and winning hockey games. What I can't wait for is the highlight video at the end of the year of all of the incredible moments that we've experienced so far and there's too many to mention it's it like we've had so many but you know Wallen's it it, a lot of it revolves around Lucas Wallen by the way but Wallen's shootout goal um to win us coming back down two um Joe LeMay's goal with one second left in Omaha like the the shorthanded situation like there's been so many you you look at quote-unquote marquee moments in a season and we have had multiple seasons worth of them all in one year even the first goal that Lucas Wallen scored in his career do you remember it he's sliding on his belly yes he backhands the puck over Isaac Posh's right shoulder and you just think wait a minute what that that was an like I Ovechkin has done that (laughs) (laughs) pretty good company yeah yeah I mean like that and he just it was I remember that goal because of the relentless effort right he didn't give up on it he managed to get to it he lost you know he's lost his footing how about the the game winning goal he scored in Sioux City again Eight, nine same, seconds left same in the game. thing like falling down is able to to bat it in between the legs of uh of their goaltender and and we win with nine seconds left like we've had so many of those this year it's it's a tribute to our guys and their their willingness to just never give up and just continue to battle and and find a way where does that confidence do you think stem from because you can't teach it you can advise and say hey you guys got to be ready emotionally for moments like this but to execute the way you guys have it's a reason why it's so unprecedented we've had so many big moments you know what it's I think it's a learned behavior and and once you do it once then then there's a belief in you that hey we can do this we've done it right and as a coach it allows me to go hey guys we've been here we've done this don't worry about it We, we got this and then you do it again and you do it again like Sunday, I was completely calm. We're down 3-1 going into the third, and I'm like, hey, guys, for the record, like we've scored 5-6-5 five, five in the third period against this team the last three times we've played them. Like, Just don't deviate from what we do, and we'll win. And we did. We played exactly the way that we're supposed to in the third period. It's 3-2, it's 3-3, it's 4-3, empty netter, game over. Like, Just surgical almost like the the guys just they knew they believed in it and that happens over the course of a season where it happens time and time again and they build that that confidence they're able to rely upon it and then obviously they have success and in that third period I have you know the privilege of providing the commentary and stuff for these games and all I'm saying is I don't worry this team, why would you doubt them? They're playing good hockey. It was a, it was really tough to end that first period down three to one after there, you generated some great chances. Killian Kiker Olsen had a chance at the near side goal line. It was stopped by an outrageous save by Emmett Crotto. But when you get into that third period and Caden Emberico makes that first save, 
you see Thompson with number three streaking down the middle. You're like, okay, these. How are about the- that pass? It's, it's stupid. It's like, ridiculous. And I, I'm watching it develop, yeah. and I'm like, he's gonna try this, and it's gonna get picked off. Like it's a, it's a, a hundred plus home foot run pass. pass. And I thought it still it might have been offsides. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. know. We but, won't talk about that, but yeah. But it was close. close. But their D, I sw- like their D had to be like, there's no way he's gonna make. This he's pass. glued to Wally. He's right there. Yes, and it was literally the only place it could have been where it would have sprung Lucas, and and obviously he did, and he was gone. And just the move there, the patience, because he likes to go between the legs. We saw it a couple nights before, but just roof job. Just It looked like Patrick Kane going to the backhand upstairs. He actually came back to the bench, and he's like, I was going to go five-hole. And uh, and he goes, he stayed down longer than I was expecting, and so I pulled it, pulled it to my backhand and went upstairs. And the tying goal was even just a thing of beauty, too. You have everybody on the ice involved at the end of a four-on-four shift. But quickly before we go to break, what about that extra pass from Luke Johnson? Everybody on the ice had a huge part of that goal, and you guys tied it up. Well, and that's, you know, I'm one of the things I'm most proud of this year after all the things we just talked about, mm-hmm. but the way our offensive zone has developed. And, you know, if anybody watches our team, we are we are a five man unit in the offensive zone. It's not a traditional three forwards working in two D standing on the blue line. Like our D are down the dots, they're they're down the walls, they're crashing the backside, and it's so hard to defend, but our forwards are responsible. They know when they need to be up high, when they can attack the net, and we had so much movement throughout that shift. Lava comes out of the, the box, it ends up you know, again, we've got possession. Luke has it. Looks like he's going to shoot it. Slides it to Laba, and all in one motion, Laba's ready to uh, to bury. And we'll talk to the game-winning goal scorer on Sunday when we come back. You are listening to Outside the Box on 93.7 The Ticket.